This morning, I want to talk about preaching. Preaching. We won't read the text right now, but we'll read it as we go through the sermon this morning to save some time. The centrality of preaching. Our text is 2 Timothy chapter 4. We'll look at it in a few minutes. You know, I had the joy about three years ago of preaching the installation service of one of our graduates at a small inner city church in St. Paul, Minnesota. This guy was a great guy. His wife works as a nurse. That helps support him. But just a small little church in St. Paul. And when I preached that sermon, I gave the charge to the pastor. And I talked about the importance of preaching for a pastor. By the way, a pastor does a lot more than preach. Pastor Fish knows that. We could look at the other Greek words for pastor in the New Testament. But his most visible ministry is preaching. So I challenged that pastor to preach the word of God. And then I challenged the church about preaching, of listening to preaching, being receptive to the preached word, to welcome the word of God, hide the word of God in your heart. And I tried to answer the question, why do we devote so much of our time in worship to the subject of preaching? I mean, why are we going to listen to preaching for a half hour this morning? Why not get together and just hum, okay? Or discuss, or analyze, or just meditate, reflect. Why preaching? And I would like to talk about preaching this morning and its importance. I want to mention four or five things briefly this morning. Number one, why we should take preaching seriously. It says here, by the, by the way, let me just say before I get to the substance here that in some churches, in some seminaries, preaching is not valued at all. We read the passage, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the quick, the King James says, the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, preach the word. And let me say this, in our world, in our religious world, Preaching has fallen on hard times. It's not popular to be known as a Bible preacher. And it's not popular to be a member of a Bible preaching church. You know, with the liberals, the theological liberals, those who deny the gospel, those who deny the word of God, Preaching has fallen on hard times. A survey was taken of a liberal seminary, and of the freshman class of 113 students, only four chose or elected, it wasn't required, to take a class in preaching. 
And folks, preaching among the liberals has been replaced with a lecture, the lesson, the homily, the dialogue, the discussion. Preaching has been replaced with pop psychology. And the reason for that in liberal churches is this. When you throw out the Bible, you have nothing to preach. Among charismatics with the advent of new revelation, preaching has fallen on hard times. With some churches, entertainment has replaced preaching. And evangelicalism is split right down the middle on the subject of inspiration. As I said, when you throw out the Bible, you have nothing to preach. But what is sad? Even in some so-called Bible-believing churches, conservative churches, fundamental churches, preaching has fallen on hard times. And folks, we are in trouble. And conservative Christianity, because of the type of preaching that is going on. In other words, in some circles, stories have replaced preaching the word of God. Tell a story. In some circles, uh, entertainment, the fog machines, the music, has replaced preaching. Sensationalism has replaced preaching. You know, years ago, this is many years ago, some of you know the name Dr. Larry Pettigrew, who used to teach at Central for many years. He, when I was in seminary, he told the story of the flaming evangelist. And the flaming evangelist would go to different churches and he would preach his famous sermon on hell. And he'd walk up and down the aisles and then he would set his suit on fire. And walk and scream and his suit was flaming. And, uh, and people would be carried away with that type of entertainment. By the way, this guy is not preaching today. He's burnt out. Okay, so. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that, okay? <laughs> Some churches are seeker sensitive. In other words, you survey the church, find out what they want to hear, and preach what they want to hear. In other words, you cannot preach the whole counsel of God. And also, we suffer from careless preaching. Preaching about the rapture from the Pentateuch with no regards to dispensationalism or the context. You know, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And the big thing when I was a youth pastor was this. Don't preach to teenagers. Just entertain. Just amuse. Get down on their level and just rap. Be an entertainment director. By the way, I was at a church a month ago, and I won't tell you what the name of the church. A large church, probably 150, 200 people in the church. And it came a time for the announcements, and the youth pastor got up to, to give his announcements wearing Bermuda shorts, sandals, a T-shirt. And we're going to get together and just, you know, rap with the teens this afternoon at the beach. I thought, 
when are you going to communicate God's truth? When are you going to honor the word of God? And our kids need to be under the sound preaching of God's word. Our kids are sinners, just like the adults, depraved. And we need to be under the preaching of God's word. And folks, let me say something here. I'm so thankful for this church because you take preaching seriously. And I'm so thankful for Central Seminary. We want to train a whole new generation of Bible preachers. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul was about ready to die. He would be executed soon. Some of you heard the expression, his head would roll in a matter of days. And Paul wrote this letter to encourage young Timothy in ministry. And I believe this passage has something to say to us as church members about preaching. First of all, Paul says this, that preaching is serious. Preaching is serious. In other words, what we're doing right now is of utmost importance. Why? Because God will judge the preacher. Notice what it says in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and dead at his appearing and his kingdom. By the way, the kingdom is not now. The kingdom is future. Preach the word. God's going to judge. Preach the word. By the way, do you get the impression that God takes preaching seriously? The word charge here is interesting. I know we have some members of the military here in this congregation. The word is a military term, a solemn command, an order given from one rank to another. In other words, in our world, a president would give an order to go to the vice president and so forth and so forth and down to the infantrymen. And it does not lose one sense of its authority, although it's not given directly by the president himself. And this was an order given by God to Paul, to Timothy, not losing one bit of its, of its authority. This charge was given to Timothy as it was given directly by God. I charge you, preach the word. And God calls two witnesses to this charge. God the Father, or Paul calls two witnesses to this charge. God the Father, who is interested in the preaching of his word. And Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the universe, before whom every preacher, before, before whom every believer will stand. The point is this, Timothy, be faithful in your preaching. Because when Jesus Christ returns, he will judge you. By the way, 
It doesn't say that Jesus is going to judge Timothy based on how big his church is. Or how many kids he has in the youth group. Or how many baptisms they had. But your faithfulness in preaching will be judged. Now I'm sure this had a tremendous effect on Timothy. Remember, Timothy was young. He was young in years. It says in 1 Timothy, let no man despise thy youth. Timothy was young. Also, Timothy was, it seems to be timid. We say timid Timothy, and that seems to be legitimate. That's why the word charged is so used so many times in these epistles. Paul says, Timothy, God wants you to do this. And let me also say this. Timothy was sickly. In 1 Timothy it says, Take a little wine for your stomach's sake and your often infirmities. Maybe Timothy had diverticulitis or Crohn's disease. I have Crohn's disease. I know what it means to have an upset stomach. <laughs> Maybe Timothy had this. But I believe these words were an encouragement to Timothy. Timothy, don't be taken away with sensationalism. Timothy, don't be taken away with spectacular, the things that are spectacular. Keep in mind that your judge is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the important thing is to be faithful in your preaching. You see, God takes preaching seriously. The preacher must answer to God. Now let me apply this to all of us, folks. In a sense, all of us are preachers. We're to share God's word. We have been commissioned, we have been ordered as followers of Jesus Christ to give out the gospel. And one day, we will stand before God. And I don't think God's going to ask us, you know, how many were in your church? How many did you win to Christ? How faithful were you in declaring God's word? And if preaching is serious, if God takes preaching seriously, we better be faithful in adherence to God's word. We better be faithful in attentiveness to God's word and faithful in sharing God's word with others. When I was in Michigan, we had a man on our staff who became a preacher about the age of 65. He worked at General Motors for years. He was a Catholic. He was unsaved. He was a rough union laborer. And while he was working in a GM stamping plant, you know, one of those, they, they feed in the, the iron, the metal, the aluminum or whatever, and they stamp out these doors, one one after another. And he was working at this stamping plant, Fisher Body Stamping Plant, and one of those dies slipped. It cut off his leg, slick as a whistle. He almost died. And in the providence of God, Pastor Bob heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God gloriously saved him. He started coming to our church. He went to the local Bible Institute. 
And God called him to be our senior pastor, the pastor of the seniors of our church. About the age of 65, Bob was a wonderful man. Bob and I used to go calling together all the time. One time, Bob and I were calling on a man, a 95-year-old man. And we sat in this 95-year-old man's living room and told him, we had to tell him, that his 65-year-old son had just died. And that 95-year-old man cried like a baby. It, it, was, it was tough. Bob knew how to work with people. And twice a year, Bob was commissioned to take the evening service at our church. And Bob was not a trained preacher. He never had a class in homiletics. He didn't go to seminary. He was 65 years old, plus. And I would sit in his office a week before he was to preach in our church. And I would say, Bob, what are you going to preach on? And he would take out his yellow legal pad. And I'd be sitting down, and Bob would start preaching to me. <laughs> And he would, boy, he would really preach, preach, preach. And then, and then uh, something didn't flow right. It didn't make sense. And I remember this to this day. I remember Bob taking that legal pad and that, that yellow piece of paper, ripping it off, folding it up, and throwing it in, into an over, overflowing waste paper basket. I used to tell the people in my church, some of my best sermons were taken from Bob's waste paper basket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But what I appreciated about Pastor Bob is he took preaching seriously. He knew he was handling the Word of God. Paul says preaching is serious, but secondly, Paul says preaching is essential. Notice it says preach the Word. Preach the Word. This is a command. Remember what James says? Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to deliver your life. The word for preach is kerux. Some of you went to Pillsbury College. Pastor Fish, I think he went to Pillsbury. The preaching room at Pillsbury was called kerux preaching auditorium. Not sermonette auditorium. Not discuss auditorium, not analyze auditorium, but preaching auditorium. The K-Rooks. In those days, there was a herald, a special spokesman for the king, who would make announcements to the people. And these announcements were to be made in a loud, clear voice, so everyone could hear. These announcements were of extreme importance. They must be heard and heeded by all. And the herald's job, the preacher's job, was to simply communicate the message of the king with accuracy and clarity. And folks, that's the job of the preacher, to simply communicate the, mass, the, the message of the king with accuracy and clarity. Not to be original, not to throw in his opinion without saying they're his opinion, but to be accurate in what he preaches. And here Paul says, preach the word. Simply explain what God says. 
That's preaching. You know, I love watching sports on television. In fact, I love watching golf. Some of you hate golf, right? It's nap time if you turn the golf tournament on. <laughs> I love watching golf. In fact, I remember before flat screens, high definition, when, when they were first becoming popular, I would actually go to the mall, stand in the mall, and watch the golf tournament <laughs> like I was going to buy that TV because I like to see the little blades of grass and which way the ball was going to break. Okay, I'm a fanatic. I love golf. But there was an announcer, Johnny Miller. He's retired now. But you could get a Ph.D. in golf by listening to Johnny Miller explain golf. He knew what the players were thinking. He knew what kind of shot to hit. And he just simply explained the game of golf to you. Now, he was honest. He was brutal. The players hated him. <laughs> but he explained golf. When I lived in Michigan, there was a baseball announcer by the name of Ernie Harwell. And you could get a Ph.D. in baseball by listening to Ernie Harwell. No cheerleading, no go Tigers go, no hype, no yelling, no screaming. He simply explained the game of baseball. He knew a lot more about baseball than I did. But it was fun to listen to him. And folks, that's the way it is with preaching. The preacher knows a lot more about the Bible than I do. And all I want to do is hear what God says. Simply explained. Now, maybe I'm getting old. I thought I'd get an amen there. Okay, at least one. <laughs> Let's try it again. Maybe I'm getting old. Amen. Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not interested in guilt trips, yelling, brow-beating brow sermons, preachers preaching in their own authority. All I want to do is hear what God says. And the preacher must be faithful in declaring God's word. And we as a congregation... We must be interested in hearing what God says. Paul doesn't say, survey the community, find out what they want to hear, and preach what they want to hear. He says preach. The word preaching is serious. Preaching is essential. Let me say this quickly. Preaching must be persistent. It says, must, must be instant, in season and out of season. We must be ready to preach at all times, is the idea. We must be diligent. Be on the alert for every opportunity to share God's word. We as laymen must be ready to share God's word, the gospel. Folks, I have the joy of being a usher at Twins Games. I have to work 30 games a year, and I'm an usher with all the other old people who are ushering at Twins games. And the reason I love it is because I get to meet a lot of unsaved people. You know, I work at a seminar. I'm surrounded by saved people. The joy I have is to meeting a lot of unsaved people. Now, I'm not supposed to preach on the job. 
But I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of people. And I have an opportunity to share the gospel with a lot of people. Preaching must be persistent. Preaching also must be balanced. It says reproving, rebuking, exhorting. Reproving is pointing out violations. Rebuking is a stronger term. The idea of censoring. And it all all to be done with exhortation, encouraging words, with long-suffering and teaching, patience and teaching, patience and instruction. By By the way, you know what can happen? If preachers are faithful in preaching the word of God, and we as a congregation are faithful in assimilating God's truth, I think we can grow spiritually. Growth is becoming more and more like Jesus. In other words, if we are faithful in listening and applying God's truth to our lives and obeying God, God can deliver us from the terrible condition of spiritual weakness. We can grow spiritually. We can have victory in our lives over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we will be able to minister to others effectively. The following letter was sent to a pastor from a man who did not think preaching was that important. Dear Pastor, It seems ministers feel their sermons are of great importance and spend a great deal of time preparing them. I've been attending church quite regularly for 30 years and have probably heard 3,000 sermons. To my consternation, I discovered I cannot remember a single sermon. I wonder if the minister's time might be more profitably spent on something else. Can you imagine a pastor receiving a letter like that? Well, the pastor thought for a minute and responded to the person this way. Dear sir, I have been married for 30 years. During that time, I've eaten 32,000 meals, mostly my wife's cooking. Suddenly I've discovered I cannot remember a single uh, menu of, of one of her meals. And yet I have the distinct impression that without them, I would have starved to death a long time ago. <laughs> Preaching is serious. It's essential. It must be persistent. It must be balanced. But let me say this, preaching can be rejected. You know, our passage talks about, notice verse 3, for the time will come, and I'm reading from a different translation, I'm sorry, to make it a little bit more clear. For the time will come when they will not endure sound teaching or sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers and will turn their ears from the truth And be turned aside to fables, but you be faithful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of evangelists. They're tired of hearing the preaching. So they want to hear something that tickles their ears. That's more appealing. The time will come, and folks, I think it's here, when they will not endure sound teaching. People will be no longer content with hearing God's word. They will run from place to place trying to satisfy their foolish cravings. They will, of their own lust, pile unto themselves teachers who, who hear what they want to, who say what they want to hear. And the result is apostasy. What's the solution? Well, what, are you, what are you to do when people turn off preaching? 
Well, Paul says, keep on preaching. Keep on preaching. God uses preaching. In England during the 1800s, that was a nation that was up to their necks in biblical preaching. Charles Haddon Spurgeon preached to a congregation of 3,000. Joseph Parker was preaching to a huge congregation also in London. F.B. Meyer was admonishing people to walk closer with God. G. Campbell Morgan was holding forth God's word. Dr. Alexander McLaren was preaching some of the finest expository sermons ever preached. D.L. Moody would come to England and have great revivals, winning people to Christ. But what is taking now, place now in England? The pulpits are silent. In fact, Central Seminary has sent, or we've trained a missionary to go to England. Was something wrong with the preaching? No, there was something wrong with the toleration of preaching. I'm reminded of the church at Ephesus, pastored by Paul, basically, pastored by Timothy, by Apollos, by John the Apostle was at this church at Ephesus. And in 30 years, after all this preaching, John writes that they had left their first love. Was something wrong with the preaching? Maybe something was wrong with the receiving of the preaching. God takes preaching seriously. Now folks, as I said, I'm thankful for this church who has a long history of preaching the gospel. And let me also say, I'm thankful for Central Seminary who wants to send out to our world of need preachers, pastors, who can hold forth this word. Folks, we have something to preach. And thank you as a congregation for your support of the seminary and your heart for the next generation to train another generation for those who will faithfully preach the word of God. Thank you for your kind attention this morning.